where you found us. Welcome to the Community Church Oxford podcast. We are so honored that you decided to join us. We hope that if you don't have a church home, that you'll find a church home that is a Bible preaching church. However, if you are just checking us out, we're honored that you would do that. We hope that you're encouraged by God's word today. You're also encouraged by the experience that you have through our podcast. If you want to find out more about us, you can check us out at www.communityoxford.com or check us out on social media via Twitter, Instagram, or Facebook. Again, thank you for joining us today at the Community Church Oxford Podcast. All right, hear me, church. I think that we misunderstand what the Holy Spirit is, what the Holy Spirit is doing, and where the what, what, what the Holy Spirit's desire is, okay? And so last week, just a little bit of way of reminder, we began a new sermon series called Acts, okay? The Gospel on the Move. Now, Acts is not new, all right? And really, the Gospel on the Move is not new. That just happens to be the way that we're packaging it. That's the way that we're sharing it. So we are going to teach this morning Uh, in Acts chapter 2. Last week we looked at Acts chapter 1. And just to kind of give you a little heads up, 40 days, Jesus had been with his disciples and his mom and some other folks, about 120 people, and he's hanging out with them. And he gives a a reminder to the church, wait. Remember? And what did he tell them to wait on? He said, wait on the promise. And the promise that's coming is that in just a few days from now, Okay, in just a few days from now, the Holy Spirit is going to come. And when the Holy Spirit comes, you're going to be my witnesses. Okay, and you're going to not only be my witnesses here in Jerusalem, but you're going to be my witnesses in Jerusalem and Judea and Samaria and to the ends of the earth. And so where we pick up in chapter two is, is Jesus has already ascended into heaven. Okay, Uh, they have already uh, 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 selected, as we saw last week, Mathathus. They've already selected him and put him uh, uh, to take Judas's place. Okay. And so now there's 12 disciples and there's about 120 something believers that are gathering and they're waiting and they're in Jerusalem and the Pentecost is going to happen. Now I happen to know today that I've got some brothers and sisters in my room today that um, go to a Pentecostal church or go to um, a, a, a spirit believing church. And so I just want you to know that is most likely where the name of that church came from is Pentecost. Okay. But understand that Pentecost is actually one of three very important feasts in the Israel calendar, okay? And Pentecost actually means 50th. So it was the 50th day after the Passover that Pentecost took place. And the reason Jesus told them to wait is because he knew that Pentecost was coming. And on this day, on Pentecost, he was about to show up and he was about to show out. And so this morning, I just need you to know that some of you might get a little uncomfortable, Okay, um, I don't I don't foresee anybody doing anything in this service. But the point that I'm making is, is that when the spirit of God moves, okay, the spirit of God moves. Amen. And my prayer this morning is, is that as the spirit of God moves, is that we study God's word about the Holy Spirit. Okay, that it would it would allow us to realize. Remember last week in Acts one, um, they're standing there. Okay, actually two weeks ago, they're standing there and Jesus has ascended into heaven and they're standing there and they're, they're kind of like looking into the sky, remember? And it says that two men dressed in white robes stood at them and said, men of Galilee, why do you look into the sky in the way that Jesus left? Do you not know that he's coming the same way that he left? More or less, get to it. Get on about your business. Get to where you need to be. So I want to pray this morning. And I, I know Javi just prayed, but I want to pray this morning 
that you would have ears to hear, a heart to receive, and a desire to put it into action. Because I'm telling you, church, if we get this this morning, if I believe with all my heart, if God's Word and God's Holy Spirit moves and Christ presents Himself to us the way I think He wants to today, it will put us on a different level as a church. Because what we'll realize is, is that we're not the creator of the motivation. We're not the creator of the power. We are just the vessels and the power is moving through us. And the quicker we figure that out, the less tired we'll be. Amen? So let's pray together this morning. Father God, I thank you. I thank you, God, that you have given your word to us. God, I thank you that your word does not need help reading it. But God, I'm thankful this morning that you've given me the privilege to stand before these people and to open up your word and to teach what Acts 2 says based on what commentaries and other great theologians and other great Bible scholars. And then, honestly, God, what you have spoken to me through your Holy Spirit in these last days. So, God, I pray that you fill me up with your spirit. You hide me behind your cross. That you speak through me what it is that you desire to speak. Nothing else, nothing less, nothing more, but only that which you desire. And, God, that you would move in this place in a mighty, mighty mighty way. And we pray this in Jesus' name, the one we want to be like when we grow up. And all God's people said? Wiersbe says, we're not going to move the world by criticism of it, nor conformity to it, but by combustion when it, when it, when it, when it lives ignited by the Spirit of God. I'll say it again. Wiersbe says, we're not going to be moved by the world, move the world by criticism nor conformity to it, but by combustion within it of lives ignited by the Spirit of God. I am convinced this morning that the Holy Spirit wants to ignite us as His witnesses to go to the uttermost parts of the world. Vance Hainer made a statement, and he was right. The early church had none of the things that we think are essential for success today. Buildings, money, political influence, social status, yet the church won multitudes to Christ and saw many churches established throughout the Roman world. Why? Because the church had the power of the Holy Spirit energizing its ministry. They were a people who were ignited by the Spirit of God. That same Holy Spirit, church, that same Holy Spirit power is available to us today and makes us more effective witnesses for Christ. In John 16, 14, Jesus is saying this to his disciples. He will glorify me, for he will take what is mine and declare it to you. He will glorify me, for he will take what is mine and declare it to you. Here's what I want you to see, and I'm going to ask that we leave this verse up here. I pray that this is your prayer today. That the Holy Spirit will glorify Christ and glorify God the Father and glorify God's Word. But He'll take what is Jesus's, what is God's, and what is His and declare it to us today so that we get exactly what God desires for us. Amen? And then I want you to see this. The better we understand Acts 2 the better we will understand the Holy Spirit. So if you have a copy of God's Word, I hope you do. If not, you can follow on the screen. We're about to dive into 47 verses, okay? And just so you know, um, if you came here thinking that you're going to get to the Ole Miss game at 12, you are mistaken, okay? Unless you get up and act like you're going to the bathroom now, all right? Um, But you're not going to get there at 12, and I'm unapologetic about that, okay? Um, Because I think this text is that important. Um, If you're new to community, our services uh, last about an about an hour and 15 minutes. Um, and so uh, uh, that's on a good day. And today is not a good day. So let me just go ahead and tell you that. All right. So Acts 2, verse 1. When the day of Pentecost.
Pentecost arrived, they were all together in one place. And suddenly there came from heaven a sound like a mighty rushing wind, and it filled the entire house where they were sitting. And divided tongues as a fire appeared to them and rested on each one of them. And they were filled with the Holy Spirit and began to speak in other tongues as the Spirit gave them utterance. Now there were dwelling in Jerusalem... Jews, devout men from every nation under heaven. I want to call a quick time out. In just a minute, we're going to get to a part of this text, and I'm not actually going to read the verse, and it's not because I don't want to read the verse. Many of you might know this. Many of you might not know this. I have a very bad speech impediment. I know it's hard for you to understand that. Uh, God has healed me from about 95% of that, but there are certain words that I can't pronounce, and so uh, you can mock me if you want to over that, but I would rather honor God's Word. Here's what you need to do. Based on this verse right there, what does it say? Devout men from every nation under heaven. So there was lots of people in Jerusalem that day. You see it? And so in a minute, when I get to that verse, you can read it. You can look at it. If you're, if you're better at pronouncing it, you can say those out loud, even if you want to where you're sitting. But I'm going to just tell you that I'm not going to try to butcher that. Okay. Verse six says that the sound, the multitude came together and they were bewildered because each one hear this church, each one was hearing them speak in his own language. And they were amazed and astonished saying, are not all all these who are speaking Galileans? And how is it that we hear each of us in his own native language? And then it starts with Parthians and Medes and Elamites and, and residents of uh, lots of places like Judea and Cappadocia and Pontus and Asia, and then some more hard ones in Egypt and parts of Libya and belonging to Cyrene and visitors from Rome, both Jews and proselytes, Sertans and uh, Arabians. We hear them telling in our own languages the mighty works of God. And all were amazed and perplexed, saying to one another, what does this mean? Because, you know, when God shows out, I don't know if you know this in church, this is not part of the sermon, but, but when God shows out, we get a little crazy. Like, we get a little perplexed. Like, what happened? Like, we can't just give God glory and give God honor and give God praise. We got to go, what happened? Okay? And so the verse says that they were perplexed. Okay, in verse 12, all were amazed and perplexed, saying to one another, what does this mean? And you know, when we can't answer a question, then we start making excuses. You ever know that? Look at verse 13. But others mocking said, they are filled with new wine. Verse 14, but Peter, Peter standing with the eleven lifted up his voice and dressed them. Men of all of Judea and all who dwell in Jerusalem, let this be known to you and give an ear to my words. For these people are not drunk, as you suppose, since it is only the third hour of the day. Which, by the way, many theologians believe it's about nine o'clock in the morning. Hey, look, man, I know, and I'm not being funny when I say this. Alcoholism is a real thing. And there might be some people that drink bourbon for breakfast, all right? But these people are not drinking at 9 o'clock in the morning. Do you see that? And then he goes on and says this. He goes on and says this. For these people are not drunk as you suppose since it is only the third hour of the day. But this is what was uttered through the prophet of Joel. So now Peter is about to read a prophecy that was written earlier in Joel chapter 2 verses 28 through 32. And listen to what it says. And in the last days it shall be God declares that I will pour out my spirit on all flesh. And your sons and your daughters shall prophesy. And your young men shall see visions. And your old men shall dream dreams. And even on my male servants and female servants in those days I will pour out my spirit and they shall prophesy. I will show wonders in heaven above and signs in earth, on earth below, blood and fire and vapor and smoke. The sun shall turn to, the dark, to darkness and the moon to blood before the day of the Lord comes, the great and magnificent day. And it shall come to pass that everyone who calls on the name of the Lord shall be saved. Can I get an amen? amen. 
Everyone who calls on the name of the Lord shall be saved. Men of Israel, hear the words of Jesus of Nazareth, a man attested to you by God in mighty works and wonders and signs that God did through him in your midst. And as yourselves know, this Jesus delivered up according to the definite defiant plan and foreknowledge of God, crucified and killing by the hands of lawless men. God raised up, loosening the pangs of death because it was not possible for him to be held by it. For David says concerning him. So we see a prophecy from Joel. Now we're going to see a prophecy from David. David says concerning him. I saw the Lord always before me, for he is at my right hand that I may not be shaken. Therefore, my heart was glad and my tongue rejoiced. My flesh also will dwell in hope, for you will not abandon my soul to Hades and let your Holy One see corruption. You made known to me the paths of life. You make me full of gladness and with your presence. Brothers, I may say to you with confidence about the patriarch David that I both died, that, that, that he both died and was buried and his tomb is with us today, being therefore a prophet and knowing that God has sworn on an oath to him that he would set one of his descendants on his throne. By the way, Jesus was a descendant of David. Look at verse 31. He foresaw and spoke about the resurrection of Christ and that he was not abandoned to Hades, nor did his flesh see corruption. This Jesus God raised up, and and of that we are all witnesses. Being therefore exalted at the right hand of God, having received the Father... The promise of the Holy Spirit, he has poured out this that you yourselves are seeing and hearing. For David did not ascend into heaven, but he himself says, The Lord said to my Lord, sit at my right hand until I make your enemies your footstool. Let all the house of Israel therefore know that for certain that God has made him both Lord and Christ, this Jesus whom you crucified. Now when they heard, they were cut to the heart and said, Peter and to the rest of the apostles, brothers, what shall we do? And they're like, we glad you asked. And Peter said to them, repent and be baptized every one of you in the name of Jesus Christ for the forgiveness of your sins and you will receive the gift of the Holy Spirit. For the promises for you and for your children and for all of you who are far off, everyone whom the Lord our God called cost himself. And with many other words, he bore witness and continued to exhort them saying, save yourselves from this crooked generation. So those who received his word were baptized and there were added that day about 3000 souls. I would say they had church that day. Verse 42 says, and they devoted themselves to the apostles teaching and the fellowship to the breaking of bread and prayers and all came upon every soul and many wonders and signs were being done through the apostles and all who believed were together had all things in common and they were selling their possessions and belongings and distributing the proceeds to all as they had need, and day by day attending the temple together and breaking bread in their homes. They received their food with glad and generous hearts, praising God, verse 47 says, and having favor with all people. And the Lord added their number day by day, those who were being saved. No, oh, by the way, that's 47 verses. And now we're about to break 47 verses down in 20 minutes. Psych! It'd be about more like 25 or 30 or 35. Good time to go to the bathroom, Mike. This morning, as we dive quickly into this, into this, the church is waiting for the Spirit right here in Acts 2. The first thing we see is the church is waiting. Why are they waiting? I don't know if you know this or not, but when Jesus tells you to do something, you better get to doing it. Amen? Amen. So in Acts 1, he promises them, wait for what? The promise. We pick up in Acts chapter 2, verse 1, and what does it say? Okay. When the day of Pentecost arrived, they were all together in one place. You see, the day of Pentecost marked one of the three major feasts of Israel, annual calendar. The name comes from the occurrence on the 50th day after the Passover. Jesus positioned his disciples to wait in Jerusalem for this day. 
Acts 1, 4 through 5. And while staying with them, he ordered them not to depart from Jerusalem, but to wait for the promise of the Father, which he said, you heard from me. For John baptized with water, but you will be baptized with the Holy Spirit not many days from now. Thus, we see an important connection between the cross and the Spirit in this event. Do you see it? We see an important connection between the cross and the spirit of this event. The Pentecost was a feast of the harvest. Okay, it wasn't just a 50th day feast. It was Pentecost was a feast of the harvest. In fact, Platt says at the end of Peter's sermon that we just read in verse 47, praising God, I mean, uh, in verse 41. So then those who received the, his word were baptized and there were added that day about 3,000 people. Okay, 3,000 people came to faith in Jesus. Thus, this particular Pentecost marks a harvest of souls. As a result, the regenerate group of believers gather and ministers in a beautiful way as a local church. So here's what I want you to see very quickly, and we'll get back to actually what I'm supposed to be preaching about. Okay? We are His church. Amen? Amen. But can I tell you something? Pine Lake is too. New prospect down the road, out in the country, go all the way to Yagna. They, they God's church too. Yellow Leaf, they're God's church. The little Church of Christ right down the road here, Rivers Hill uh, uh, Church of Christ, that's God's church. Okay, we can go out uh, any direction and find churches. We can go all the way out Highway Six, almost to Panola County line. We'll find Oasis. That's a church. Okay, we can go out north and find a church called North Oxford Baptist Church. Hint, North Oxford. We can go to Abbeville. Guess what? They got a Baptist and a Methodist, and I don't know if they got any Presbyterians up there. And I'm not picking on them, but they ain't got to go far from Abbeville, and you can find College Hill Prayers out there. You don't have to go far from here. Take a left of the uh, Dodge store, and you go down there, and there's one called Christ. Press right down there. And then you can go find Grace Bible meeting over there in the city school. All those are churches, okay? But you know what they have in common? They're people of God gathering in a place. And it's not the place that makes them a church. It's the people that make them a church. Can I get an amen? And so if you're visiting us from another church today, I don't know if you know this or not, we just in a building. But we the church, okay? And I'm just preaching the word because when you go to church, they ought to preach the word. Okay, so if you've been going to church that's not preaching the word, they might have church on the outside of the building, but they're not a church. Okay, they 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 they, they what I like to call opinionated. All right, I can stay at home and have opinions. All right, we need to come to church and study God's word. Amen. And so they waited, but then something else happened. When they waited for the promise, look at verse two. The promise came. Verses 2 through 13, the church is worshiping the Lord. Look what happens in verse 2. And suddenly there came from heaven a sound like a mighty rushing wind and filled the entire house where they were sitting. Sometimes people look at me and say, man, why do you call this the house? Because this is the house. This is God's house. This is our house. This is where we as the body of Christ are gathering in his house to do what? To lift up the name of this house. And the name of this house is what? Jesus. Okay? So we have gathered at the house. They gathered at the house. And suddenly there came from heaven a sound like a mighty rushing wind. And it filled the entire house where they were sitting. And divided tongues of fire appeared to them and rested on each one of them. Not on the professional. Look at me. Too many of y'all are looking for professional Christians for God to live his life out in and through. And can I tell you something? Professionals are not going to be what reaches the world. Ordinary, average people like you, and I'm average too, like me, are going to reach the world for Christ. It is not about professionalism. It is about everyday followers of Jesus Christ, empowered by the Holy Spirit, and living out God's word that God's going to reach the world. Can I get an amen? Amen. 
And so they're there, and I want you to see something. As they're there, they're worshiping the Lord, and there's some events that take place. As you study the events of Pentecost, it is important that we separate the accidentals from the essentials. The accidentals from the essentials. Okay? The Spirit came. Look at verses 2 and 4. That's what we were just reading. I got down to verse 3. Look at verse 4. And they were filled with the Holy Spirit and began to speak in other languages as the Spirit gave them utterance. Now, I don't mean to try to reteach something that you might have been taught one way, but what I want you to understand is it says that they begin to speak. When they were filled with the Holy Spirit, they began to speak other tongues as the Spirit gave them utterance. Okay? So there were sounds of the Spirit coming, all right? Like wind were present. Do you realize that both Hebrew and Greek words for the Spirit can also mean wind or breath? So when the breath of God or when the wind of God moves, that's the Spirit of God moving. Do you see it? Just as the Spirit concentrated on the temple in the Old Testament in Ezekiel 37, verses 9 through 10, look at what it says. Then he said to me, prophesy to the breath and prophesy to the Son of Man and say to the breath, thus says the Lord God, come from the four winds, O breath, and breath on the slain that they may live. So I prophesied as he commanded me, and the breath came into them, and they live and stood on their feet, an exceedingly great army. Meaning, hey guys, when the breath of God, hear me church, when the breath of God breathes on you, when the wind of God moves you, you are like a mighty army and nothing, hear me church, nothing can defeat you. But don't get it twisted. It's not because you go to a certain church that you're a part of the army. It's not because you meet at a certain place that you're a part of the army. It's not because some people got some special love or something. I believe with all my heart that if you put your faith and trust in Jesus and you have the faith and the salvation of Christ that you too can receive and have received the Holy Spirit, you might just be not allowing it to work in your life. Because like my boy Francis Chan wrote in the book Forgotten God, we're a little scared of the Spirit. You know why we're scared of the Spirit? Because you're not in control anymore. We like control, don't we? You know what God says about that, right? Well, God more or less says this in so many words. If you want to make me laugh, tell me your plans. Because it ain't about your plan. It's about His plan. Amen? So there were sounds. There were sights. Look at what it says. And He divided tongues as a fire. Now he's not just concentrating the temple. He's concentrating the new temple, God's new covenant people. As we think about this site, it was magnificent. The presence of fire in this passage should not surprise us. God's presence, in fact, is often associated with fire. Can we remember just this time last year when we were in the book of Exodus? How did God choose to speak to Moses? Through a bush that was on fire. Fire is something that's present because God's presence is fire. I love it when people come up and say, man, your message was fire this morning. That just must have meant that the presence of God and the Holy Spirit must have been in that sermon because I didn't have nothing to do with it. Y'all think I got a little button up here that says fire. Man, some of y'all been watching too many TV shows. It is God that brings the fire. It is God's gift. Okay, as Hebrews twelve twenty nine says, for our God is a consuming fire. I don't know if that if that makes you anxious or not. And I realize Paul says to Timothy, you know, we should not have a, a, a spirit of fear, but of power. Okay, but can I tell you something, church? Don't get it twisted. Who brings the power? It's the spirit, not you. You know, I pick at my boys all the time. They ain't here today, so I can pick on them and their mama because she ain't here either. And if y'all tell her, I mean, I'll just have to say y'all misunderstood. 
They think I got power in the house. You know why I got power in the house? Yes, ma'am. And for you in here, yeah, keep going. Happy wife, happy life. That translates in every language. Okay? Did a wedding in India. True story. I, I gave that advice. Everybody in the room fell out laughing. You know why? Because even folks halfway around the world know that the order might be that God is first, man is second, and then woman. And I'm not saying that's not biblical. And I'm not saying that we shouldn't lead that way. And I'm not saying we shouldn't live that way. But eventually, you're going to say yes, ma'am, if you want your wife to be happy. But I tell my boys all the time, she brought you into this world. She can take you out. Can I be honest with you? My wife's too nice to take my boys out of this world. God loves us enough to take us out of this world. He is a consuming fire. Not just the sounds, but the sights, okay? A person filled with the Spirit may be, uh, do a variety of activities, but all of them will magnify Jesus. Did you hear me, church? Each believer filled with the Holy Spirit, a person filled by the Spirit may be do a variety of activities, but all of them will magnify Jesus. While some argue Acts 2 contains an example of speaking a heavenly tongue, these individuals were empowered as speaking a known dialect. Look at verse 5. Now dwelling in Jerusalem, Jews, devout men from every nation. Look at verse 6. And this sound of a multitude came together, and they were bewildered because each one of them was hearing them speak his own tongue. And they were amazed, verse 7 said, and astonished, saying, Are not all these speaking Galileans? In verse 8, the crowd was puzzled. What I want you to see this morning, indeed, diversity of languages has heard that day was amazing. And then verse 9 through 11 is this. As we think about this idea, okay, church, about that the church was worshiping the Lord, verses 9 through 11, we hear them telling in our own tongues the mighty works of God. And then verses 12 and 13, they're out of options for the natural explanation for what was going on. So they said, they must be drunk. You know, Paul says in Corinthians that if I am crazy or out of my mind, it's for your benefit. I really want to get that on a t-shirt. And when people start walking up to me and saying, what's wrong with you? Did you see what Corinthians just said? If I am out of my mind, it is for your benefit. By the way, you can laugh at that. Remember we had this conversation last week? My kids said, hey, Dad, you got to say something funny if you want us to laugh. I get that. <laughs> tell them we said hello, bro. If it's Jesus, tell them to come on back because we're ready for him to come get us. It's all good. Some have called the Pentecost a reversal of what happened at the Tower of Babel. In Genesis chapter 11, the Tower of Babel, God introduced a diverse human languages that resulted in the dispersion of humanity. You know why? Because they were trying to build up their own God. Watch this. We're going to build us a tower that's so big and people are going to come look at this thing and they're going to worship this thing because of us. I don't know if you know this or not, but God's pretty, pretty real when he says, I will have no other gods before me. I am the one true living God. You don't get to play God. I'm God. So what's God do? He tears down the Tower of Babel, and he disperses people to every part of the world in diverse languages that resulted in the dispersion of humanity. And at Pentecost, he united everyone in Jerusalem by allowing the gospel to cross language barriers. Pentecost, however, is not a total reversal of the Babel event. God didn't give everyone the same language at Pentecost. Instead, a unique language were preserved as everyone heard the same message. This is important. It tells us that God glorified in Christ, exalting unity and blesses diversity. It kind of makes you think about what kind of language we're going to speak in heaven, doesn't it? You know, we Americans, we so hung on ourselves, we go, we're going to speak English. 
Well, don't you think that cat sitting in Paris right now, sipping on his cup of coffee, speaking French, thinks they're going to talk about French up in there? And what about our amigos? You know what I'm saying? They're probably thinking, hey, they're going to speak Spanish up in heaven. But can I be honest with you? I'm kind of like D.A. Carson, who envisions those present, and they're speaking all the languages, even the languages that have died out. All, and guess what? After all, we have eternity to learn them. Amen? Like, I'm for real. I believe when we get to heaven, some of y'all going to be surprised that certain people are there. Some of y'all going to be surprised that y'all are there. <laughs> and I'm not trying to be funny. Because I love it when you come up to me. Hey, man, if you don't mind, when you talk to Jesus, did you talk to him about me? I don't know if y'all know this or not. I got enough to talk to Jesus about by myself. I ain't got time to be talking to him about you. I got my own problems. I got my own sin. I got my own struggles. But here's what I'm saying is, what we see in this text is, it doesn't matter what language it is. If God's gospel wants to go forth, God, through the power of his Holy Spirit, can preach the gospel in any language. And guess what? We can understand it. That's the Spirit of God. The church is witnessing to the loss. Verses 14 through 41. And I got to talk a whole lot faster. So there's a question in verse 12. Remember what that question was? What does this mean? Peter goes, I'm glad you asked. Look at verse 14. But Peter, standing with the eleven, lifted up his voice and addressed them, men of Judea and all who dwell in Jerusalem, let this be known to you and give an ear to me. Give an ear to my words. For those people are not drunk as you suppose, since it's only the third hour of the day, which many theologians would say it was nine o'clock in the morning. You see, Peter begins with a word of clarification. They're not drunk. They're filled with the Spirit. Church, you know what I love about the church? Is that when God really shows up and God really shows out, we don't get the credit. Because when God does it, God doesn't need us. It's the Spirit of God working through us. It's the Word of God living out loud in us. And it's the power of God being used in for us. And not for us, but for Him. And guess what? It is the power of salvation. And the power of the resurrection. And the power of the cross that we work in in the first place. So when you start going, hey, look at us. You better get away from me. Why? Because he is the way maker. He is the miracle worker. He is the promise keeper. And oh, guess what, church? When you can't see him, he's still working. And when you can't feel it, he's still working. Because that's the spirit of God. So Peter clarifies what's up. And then look at verse 16. Pentecost means prophecy has been fulfilled. And, and, and I'm not going to repeat it, but here's what the deal is. There's a prophecy that Joel is talking about. And he says, in the last days it shall be, God declares that I will pour out my spirit on all flesh, and your sons and your daughters shall prophesy. Your young men shall see vision, and your old men shall dream dreams. You know what my fear is? Is that many of us ain't seeing visions, and many of us aren't dreaming dreams. You know why? Because we're not allowing the Holy Spirit to fill us up. Look at verse 17. Pentecost means the last days of dawn. In the last days it shall be. Look at verse 17 through 21. Pentecost means that everyone can know God intimately and should make Him known faithfully. 
Even on my male servants and female servants in those days, I will pour out my spirit and they shall prophesy and I will show wonders in heaven above uh, above and signs on the earth below, blood and fire and vapor and smoke. The sun shall be turned to darkness and the moon to blood before the day of the Lord comes. Great and magnificent day. And then verse 21, you wait for it. You ready for it? Here's what it says. And it shall come to pass that everyone who calls on the name of the Lord shall be saved. Amen. Verses 22 to 36, Pentecost means Christ has ascended to his throne. Look at verse 22. Men of Israel, hear these words. Jesus of Nazareth, a man attested to you by God with mighty works and wonders and signs of God uh, that God did through him. And in your midst, as you yourselves know, this Jesus delivered up according to the defiant plan and the foreknowledge of God, you crucified and killed by hands of lawless men. And God raised him up, loosening the pangs of death because he was not, it was not possible for him to be held there. Everyone can know God intimately and should make him known faithfully. And then Pentecost means Christ has ascended to his throne. Look at verse 25. For David says concerning this, I saw the Lord always before me, for he is at my right hand, and I may not be shaken. Therefore my heart was glad, and my tongue was rejo- my tongue rejoiced. My flesh also will dwell in hope. For you will not abandon my soul in the Hades, or, so, or, or let, it, let your Holy One see corruption. For you have made known to me the paths of life. You make me full of gladness with your presence. Verse 29. This is good stuff. Brothers, I may say to you with confidence about the patriarch David that he both died and was buried and his tomb is with us today. Being therefore a prophet and knowing that God had sworn to him an oath to him that he would set one of them, set one of his descendants on his throne. He foresaw and spoke about the resurrection of Christ that he was not abandoned to Hades and nor did his flesh see corruption. This Jesus God raised up from the, raised up and, 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 and of that we all are witnesses being there Therefore, exalted at the right hand of God and having received the father of the promise of the Holy Spirit, he has poured out this that you yourselves are seeing and hearing. For David did not ascend into heaven, but he himself says, the Lord said to my Lord, sit at my right hand until I make your enemies a footstool. And then look at verse 36. Let the house of Israel, Israel, therefore know that God has made him both Lord and Christ Jesus, whom you crucified. Pentecost means Christ has ascended to his throne. And then finally, verses 37 through 30, 41, the harvest of the Pentecost. Look at verse 37. Now, when they had heard this, they were cut to the heart. First, let me ask you a question this morning. Have you been cut to the heart? Has the Spirit of God cut you to the heart to the fact that you and I were the one that put him on the cross? You know, we always want to say, man, it was them. It was them. No, it was every sinner that has ever lived, that's ever living or ever will live that put him on the cross. And you know what's so sad, church? We keep crucifying him over and over and over again when we keep running to that junk. And I'm guilty because I always think, man, maybe this time sin will be different. Maybe this time sin will be different. I pray this morning that the Holy Spirit of God will cut you to the heart. Because when you're cut to the heart, you can't stay the same. Look at what it says in verse 38. And Peter said to them, or excuse me, verse 37. Now when they heard that they were cut to the heart and said to Peter and the rest of the apostles, Brothers, what shall we do? And Peter said to them, Repent, be baptized, every one of you, in the name of Jesus, for the forgiveness of your sins. And you will receive the gift of the Holy Spirit. For the promise is for you and for your children and for all who are far off, everyone whom the Lord God calls to himself. 
And with many other words, he bore witness and continued to exhort them, saying, Save yourselves from this crooked generation. So those who received the word were baptized, and there were added that day about 3,000 people. Now you see why we call it the harvest of the Pentecost? I mean, Pentecost is is called the harvest because here's where we are. When the Holy Spirit comes and the wind and the breath of God speaks over us and the fire and the presence of God is revealed to us, the church can't help but start walking in the Spirit. Amen? Amen. I can only teach it how I know it. I'm convinced this morning that too many times we take this text and we make it what we want to make it instead of what God wants to make it. Man, I, 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 and I know somebody's going to come up to me, man, let me explain it to you, okay? I'm not being funny, that's cool. There's, there's probably some smart people up here that can explain it. But here's what I want you to know. If my God, your God, wanted every one of us to be able to understand every language that's represented in this place today, all he'd have to do is rain down from heaven fire. His presence, His breath, and breathe on us. And guess what? People start speaking in Spanish, and you don't understand Spanish, and all of a sudden you start understanding it. Man, I've been all over the world. I'm leaving Tuesday to go to the jungles of the Amazon in Ecuador. Man, I don't speak Spanish. Taco, nacho, burrito. I'm not trying to be funny. That's why I got my boy Javi going with me. He speaks Spanish. And he better be telling me the truth. But we're going so far that even Javi doesn't know where we're, the language that we're speaking. You know why? Because we're going to a tribe. We're going to an Indian tribe in the, on, the, on the edge of the Peruvian jungle off the Amazon River in Ecuador. Can I tell you what the Spirit of God can do? He can speak any language that He wants to speak. And God's love and God's power can be manifested to those people. And they can come to know Christ because of His presence. I don't know about you, but I'm tired of trying to muster it up. I'm tired of trying to plug it in and seeing that I'm still at 8% when I need to be at 98% or 100%. Man, when the Spirit of God falls on us, it's the Spirit of God that empowers us. Not man, not woman. Do you know that on February... Van can go ahead and make their way back up. On February 11, 2020, the World Health Organization announced an official name of the disease that's causing the current outbreak of the coronavirus. I had a buddy of mine say the other day, man, if they quit drinking all them coronas, that wouldn't have happened. That's not funny. Y'all missed it. <laughs> y'all acting like y'all don't drink. Most of y'all, I see y'all at the bars all the time. Just relax, breathe. But the current outbreak of the coronavirus now has an actual name. It's called the COVID, C-O-V-I-D-19. And I want to bring your attention to something this morning. The fact that this disease has been around since 1937. It was first isolated from an infectious bronchitis virus in birds that has the ability to seriously devastate poultry stocks, which means it messes up chickens, all right? These viruses are responsible for between 15 and 30% of common colds. Hey, if y'all see somebody playing a guitar out there, tell them to come on back up here. I don't guess they have their ears in. And y'all do not want me to sing the Holy Spirit that we're about to sing in just a minute. 
But it says the virus responds, this virus is responsible for between 15 and 30% of common colds. And over the last 70 years, scientists have found the uh, coronavirus can affect mice, rats, dogs, cats, turkeys, horses, pigs, and cattle, and most recently humans, as the authorities have identified the coronavirus outbreak in China. It has now reached other countries, over 24 different countries worldwide. And you're probably thinking, Preacher, you just preached one of the best sermons on Acts chapter 2, and you are sitting here talking about the coronavirus. Could you please inform us why? First of all, because we need to pray about it. And we need to pray that the Holy Spirit would give men and women wisdom to be able to come up with healing power, healing knowledge for the coronavirus. Amen? Amen. But something else I want you to know about the coronavirus is this, is that today there are little bitty smart people called scientists that are working in a lab in Switzerland, Australia, China, Korea, Japan, France, Russia, America, Mexico, Brazil, all over the world. And you know what they're trying to do, church? They're trying to find a vaccination that will heal this breakout because it's affected over 64,000 people. But church, can I tell you something? The reason I'm sharing this story with you this morning is there's another disease that's affecting 4.5 billion people in the world, and it's called they don't know the hope of Jesus Christ. And we have the cure. We have the answer to their struggle. But we're not all on the same page. We're not all running after these people. Why? Because it's not safe. Church, do you know it's not safe to go down Jackson Avenue? It's not safe to go to Memphis. It's not safe to go to Walmart. It's not safe to go to Kroger's. Why are you so worried about being safe? And I don't know if you heard this week. It wasn't even safe for kids they felt like to even come in this school. But when the Spirit of God rains down, it's like an army. And, and, and the weapons of man and the weapons of this world can't touch what God has protected. Amen. You not understand that the reason Acts 2 happened? It's because God wanted his church to know that it was no longer just Jesus that was going to do this mighty work. We were going to be vessels of God empowered by the Spirit of God to go be his army and his workers. Look at what happened at the end of Acts 2 and we're done. The church was walking in the Spirit and look at what it says. It says they devoted themselves to the apostles' teaching and fellowship and breaking bread and prayer. And all came upon every soul and many wonders and signs were being done through the apostles. And all who believed were together and had all things in common. We knew it had to be the Spirit of God. Amen. And they were selling their possessions and belongings and distributing the proceeds to all as any had need. And day by day, attending the temple together and breaking bread in their homes. And they received their food in glad and generous hearts. Look at verse 47. Praising God and having favor with all people. You see, when the Spirit of God comes, it's not you that gains favor with people. God gives you favor with His people because you're praising Him. And then look at what it says. Praising God and having favor with all people. And the Lord added to their number day by day those who were being saved. You see, Acts is the gospel on the move. Why? Because the church was studying the apostle teaching. They were fellowshipping. They were breaking bread together. They were praying. And they were praising God. Will you bow with me?
Father God, I beg you in these moments that you would move. God, I'm convinced in this place that the enemy wants me to think or wants us to think that i got to be special to have this. God, I'm convinced with all my heart that when you give your life to Jesus, when we confess you as Savior and Lord, if we have the power to overcome death because of your resurrection, if we have the power to overcome sin because of your cross, then God, we have the power because you've given us the Holy Spirit. You have given that to us, and we claim it today. We trust it today. But God, I pray that your Holy Spirit would come. I pray that your Holy Spirit would so come in such a way, God, that men and women in this place would get to a place where they're uncomfortable. God, that they would get to a place and realize it is not about them anymore. It is not about what they want anymore. It is about what you want. God, there are some people in this room that are dealing with prejudices. God, they're dealing with the fact that that heaven's going to be of all ethnicities. God, they have no clue how many ethnicities are going to be there. God, break down those prejudices today. God, there's some that are lacking faith this morning. God, I pray that you'll break down their lack of faith and that you would rain down from heaven, that you'd breathe on them today, God, that they would see your presence. Not presence of man, not presence of what we're creating, God, but what you're creating. God, I am convinced that you want the gospel to go forth. God, you want it to be like an outbreak. You want people to to come to know you because billions are being affected. And God, I'm not taking anything away from the coronavirus. I pray for healing. I pray for a remedy. But God, there's a greater epidemic in our world and it's called sin. And the only thing that's going to change it is you, God the Father, speaking into us. You, God the Son, living and saving us and showing us grace and mercy and us extending that grace and mercy to others. But God, the only way the gospel will go forth is if the Spirit moves it. And so God, I'm begging you today. For those that can hear my voice, for your Holy Spirit to come and your Holy Spirit to move, not just because of song, not just because of a speaker, but because of your word and your promise. And we give you these moments in Jesus' name. Look at me, church. I do this to you often, and you keep keep stepping into it. Because I'm going to ask you in a minute, and all God's people said, and most of you in this room are going to say amen. Do you know amen means you agree? Amen means that you're saying yes to what I just said. Aren't you tired of trying to plug in? Aren't you tired of trying to fix it, figure it out on your own? The only way that's going to change is if you let the Holy Spirit come alive in your life. I'm unlike some people. I believe when you give your life to Jesus, it's a whole package deal. It's like going through McDonald's and you asking for a Happy Meal and you get the fries, the shake, and the Coke all thrown in together. But until we allow that spirit to be manifested in us, we don't know the power of that spirit. And so here's what I want to pray this morning. We're about to sing a very familiar song that many of you know, and it's called, Holy Spirit, You Are Welcome in This Place. Don't dare sing this song unless you want the Holy Spirit to be in your life, to empower you to be the witnesses that God has called us as the church. Because I don't know if you know this or not. I need you and you need me because we're the church together. It is not you as an individual sport. It's not me as an individual sport. It is us as the body of Christ being manifested by the power of the Spirit to be as witnesses to every tribe and every nation and every tongue and every voice that God wants to speak. God's going to do it and we're going to give him glory and we're going to give him praise. Amen. And all God's people said. My name is Fish Robinson. I'm the lead pastor here at Community Church Oxford. We hope that you enjoyed this episode of the Community Church Oxford podcast. We hope that you'll consider joining us again in the future. And until then, God bless.